You've been listening to amazing music here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Coming up next, JM Sunday with Matis Weingast here at NahumSiegel.com.
Welcome to JM Sunday right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Matis Weingast, and I am your host this morning. Assuming that my uh, voice can get through it. See here, I'm a little bit hoarse today. Uh, thank you for joining us on this December 17th, 5th of Teves, in uh, the year 5784. Hope you had a wonderful Shabbos and uh, a great week that passed. And uh, we are here with you for the next two hours, bringing you lots of Jewish music. Uh, Rabbi Goldwasser at 7.30. And uh, at about 8.15, uh, I'll be joined by Rabbi Alexander Seinfeld and Dr. Daniel Grove, who are the authors of a book recently published called Body and Soul, The Torah Path to Health, Fitness, and a Holy Life. We look forward to speaking with them about their book. Uh, but before anything else in the world, the major news, the absolute major news of today, sends us to the Mazel Tov section, Mazel Tov to Leora and Shahar Alon of Teaneck, New Jersey, on the birth of a baby boy just a few hours ago. Leora is, of course, the daughter of Hani and Mayor Fertig, and uh, this is a tremendous JM in the AM, JM Sunday, Nachum Siegel Network, Mazel Tov, going out to the families and uh, from all of us, of course, here on the Nachum Siegel Network. It's wonderful to hear such great news. Everyone is doing well. Uh, Shahar's parents are Sharon Drucker alone and Avi alone. We wish them, of course, a tremendous Mazel Tov. New uncles and aunts are David and Tehila Fertig and Naftali Fertig and uncles Amit Alon and Nadav Alon. And uh, we wish everyone in the entire family a tremendous Mazel Tov on the birth of a baby boy to Leora and Shahar Alon. It's a great way to start the, uh, the morning, great way to start the show, and uh, we are very happy for the entire family, particularly, of course, the parents, and Ghani and Mayer. Uh, it's so good to hear such wonderful news. I was just chatting with Mayer. I, I'm, I'm thinking he has, not have much, he has not had much sleep this morning, uh, and it's a good thing that uh, he, uh, I didn't ask him to sub for today's show. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, absolutely, absolutely tremendous. I am sure I am speaking for everyone in the network, including, of course, Nachum Siegel, in wishing a tremendous Mazel Tov. And uh, we'll let you know uh, more about that and repeat that later on. So, again, Mayor and Khani, absolutely beautiful. Mazel Tov and uh, wish all the best. If you are studying Dafyomi, uh, it is Babakama Memhe, 45 today. 
In our neck of the woods, it's 48 degrees right now and cloudy. There is a flood watch in effect for uh, the day, tonight, tomorrow morning. Rain beginning at 11 o'clock today, uh, this morning, until uh, tomorrow morning at some point. High will be 49 degrees, just a tad above where we are now, and low 48 degrees, so just hovering around the same degree. In Jerusalem right now, it's partly cloudy, but it's 66 degrees, going to a low of 50 degrees, uh, and also partly cloudy overnight. Uh, I'm not sure about the news from Israel. We haven't heard from Khan Julian yet, so I don't know if there will be an update. But as I said, we will have an interview at about 8.15 with the authors Rabbi Seinfeld and Dr. Grove on their book, Book and Soul. <laughs> Body and Soul, excuse me. Their book, Body and Soul, The Torah Path to Health, Fitness, and a Holy Life. We're going to start off with the Baruch Abud here on JM Sunday. Thank you all for listening. We are exclusive to the Nachum Siegel Network. Shalom, 
Wir werden sich freuen, ein Milliarden, wir schieben wie nun, nun alle. 
Zevi Kaufman with uh, Lech Knos here on JM Sunday. Before that, we heard music by Lipa. We heard Yitzchak Rosenthal and uh, Baruch Abud opened up our song segment following Moda Ani by Regesh this morning. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Rabbi Goldwasser coming up in uh, just a minute or so on this December 17th, fifth day in the month of Teves. The temperature outside of our studios uh, right now is 48 degrees and cloudy. Flood watch is in effect for later today. Rain begins around 11 o'clock and will continue certainly until tomorrow morning. High expected today, <coughs> excuse me, of 49 degrees, low of 48 degrees. And in Jerusalem, 66 and partly cloudy going up, going down to a low of 50 degrees and partly cloudy overnight. In Dafyomi, it's Babakama Mem Hay 45. Well, the big news of the day, as I mentioned, uh, top of the show is the uh, Mazel Tov wish going out to Leora and Shachar alone of Teaneck, New Jersey, on the birth of a baby boy just a few hours ago. And a hearty Mazel Tov to our own Hani and Mayor Fertig, who, is, uh, who are Leora's parents. And uh, just absolutely wonderful news to have been able to share with you this morning. And we'll be mentioning it throughout the morning today. Uh, Mazel Tov also to, of course, Shachar's parents, Sharon Drucker Alon and Avi Alon. And new uncles and aunt, David and Tehila Ferdig and Naftali Ferdig. And uncles Amit Alon and Nadav Alon. So it is a tremendous... Uh, Tremendous mazel tov to share, and we really, really are happy to be able to share such wonderful news. It is really, really great. So mazel tov again. Uh, let's see. Coming up, um, I'm not sure if it will be joined by Hannah Julian this morning. I've yet to uh, to find out. But about 8.15 this morning, I will, God willing, be joined by Rabbi Alexander Seinfeld and Dr. Daniel Grove co-authors of the book Body and Soul, The Torah Path to Health, Fitness, and a Holy Life, coming up at 8.15. Right now, we are pleased to present Rabbi Gowasser. Rabbi Gowasser's words, L'zecha Nishmas Zev, Rabbi Yosef Alevi, and L'zecha Nishmas Esther Bas, Rabbi Yosef Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. The great Rosh Hashiva, Reb Chaim Stein, was escaping from the Holocaust. It was the last night of Hanukkah, and he had to make an arduous journey immediately in order to escape and save his life. While he was en route, he began to feel very bad. He was successful in lighting the menorah for the first seven nights, but he was not able to be mashlam the mitzvah because he had to escape before the eighth light. The Rosh Hashiva had difficulty getting over the fact that he could not light that last night. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, a man, a person from the Amim, comes over to him and says, here, I have this small bundle for you. It doesn't cost anything. He put the bundle into the Rosh Hashiva's hands and left. The Rosh Hashiva opened the bundle and he saw that there were candles and all that he needed to light the menorah on the last night of Hanukkah. Word spread among the Talmidim that it was a Leo Novi 
that came to give the Rosh Yeshiva the candles. Later, after the war, Rav Erlinger came to him and asked the Rosh Yeshiva, Is it true? Was it Elio Anovi that came to you? The Rosh Yeshiva answered, No, it was not Elio Anovi. But you should know, when a person really wants to be Mekayim Mitzvah with all of their heart, from Shomayim, they will be assisted. They will have Siyata Dishmaya. I was moved beyond words to see that the Bachrim of the Erlo Yeshiva lit 138 menorahs, one menorah for each hostage. As we know, Mizake Adam Shalobifonov, a person can give merit to another Jew, even if that person is not together with us right now. I was thinking to myself how each one of the precious hostages would love and would yearn to light the menorah together with Klau Yisroel. The Erlo Yeshiva, they got it right. The Bochrim sang and danced in front of those menorahs. May we be Zoycha, Bekarov Bekarov, to sing and dance with all of the hostages together. And there we will sing the words, Ma'os Tzor Yeshuasi, Lechon Noel Lishabeach, Tikon Beis Tefilosi, Visham Toidon Yisabeach, that we will be Zoycha to Mashiach Tzidkenu in the building of the third and the final Beis Amikdosh, Bimheirav Yomenu. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day.
Israel, Israel, betach b'shevem, Ezram, Ezram, meginam hu. Israel, Israel, betach b'shevem, Ezram, Ezram, meginam hu. Israel, 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 betam ha'ashem. Israel, 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 Ezram u'megin ha'avu. Israel, 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 betam ha'ashem. Israel, 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 Israel,
شهر زرد را بینش ماسی به خمار روای مناسر خواست مایده انی انی لفانه خامل خی خی و کیام مایده انی انی لفانه خامل خی خی و کیام مایده انی انی لفانه خامل خی خی و کیام مایده انی انی لفانه خامل خی خی و کیام Excuse me. Before that, we heard Shalshelis, 
Zimrio Orchestra, Jonathan Scheinfeld. We heard from Kesher, Shlomo Kaubach, and Shlemy Gertner. That followed uh, Rabbi Goas with Morning Chizuk here on a Sunday morning. Glad to be with you. Coming up in uh, just a minute or so, Hannah Julian with the news from Israel, the latest news from Israel. And uh, following that, I will be joined by authors Rabbi Alexander Seinfeld and Dr. Daniel Grove. They are the authors of Body and Soul, The Torah Path to Health, Fitness, and a Holy Life. I think my first question is going to be to them, what is the Torah suggestion to cure a horse throat? Ay, ay, ay. Yeah, coming up at 8 o'clock. Uh, so I also want to check in on uh, the app. Say hi to a bunch of people who have uh, who have checked in on the app this morning. Uh, good morning to uh, listener Irv. And he wishes a mazel tov to the... Uh, to the Furtick family. We'll mention that officially again in just a second. Good morning to Yehudis, who also uh, wishes a Mazel Tov. Good morning to MHD. He says, good morning, Matis. Glad to hear you today. Well, I hope you can hear me okay. <laughs> so good morning. Listener Mensch checked in. Says, Boker Tov, Shavua Tov, and uh, asks that we wish a Rafur Shalema to Aaron Tzvi Mayer Ben Manya Rivka. That's Aaron Tzvi Mayer, Ben Manyarivka. Please keep him in mind. And uh, that, is, um, that is the check-in on the app right now. It is 8 o'clock in the morning, and uh, we are here on JM Sunday on the Nachum Siegel Network. Major Mazel Tov going out to Leora and Shahar alone of Teaneck, New Jersey, on the birth of a baby boy just a few hours ago. Leora is the daughter of the ones and only Hani and Mayor Fertig. Yes, that Mayor Fertig and that Hani Fertig of JM in the AM fame, Nachum Siegel Network. And uh, Mazel Tov to Sharon Drucker alone and Avi alone, Shachar's parents. And Mazel Tov to new uncles and Aunt David and Tehila Fertig and Naftali Fertig and uncles Amit alone and Nadav alone. Wonderful to be able to share such exciting and Mazel Dika, as they say, news this morning. This just happened a few hours ago. Mayor was in touch with us right before the show, and uh, cannot tell you how ecstatic we are to share the Mazel Tov and uh, be a part of this celebration. Mazel Tov, of course, to the families from everyone at the Nachum Siegel Network, and of course, Nachum. I'm sure he'll be discussing it tomorrow morning. And uh, it's just, again, wonderful, wonderful, great news to share. The birth of a boy to Leora and Shachar alone just a few hours ago. So, uh, yeah, we like, we like announcing those, uh, those types of messages. Really, uh, really is very, very important. We're going to get to the news from Israel in just a second, and then again, uh, a few minutes after that, we will have an interview with the authors of Body and Soul. Uh, it's time for our news from Israel. Hannah Julian, Middle East news analyst and senior correspondent at JewishPress.com, 
joins us Sunday mornings to bring us up to date on the latest happenings in the state of Israel. Good morning, Hannah Julian. Good morning, Mattis. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu once again said Israel will continue with its fight against Hamas in Gaza until the terrorist organization is destroyed. Netanyahu said in opening remarks to the cabinet this morning that he's received letters from dozens of families of fallen soldiers telling him to do so. The families say that Israel has a mandate to fight, not to stop in the middle. Netanyahu said Israeli forces will indeed continue their effort to eradicate Hamas from Gaza and rescue the hostages they kidnapped. The IDF says its fighters have found another tunnel shaft inside a civilian home in Gaza. Well, to be more precise, under a baby's crib in a child's bedroom. The tunnel shaft was found in Jabalia by the Nahal Brigade. It included a built-in staircase and led to an operational tunnel, and it was destroyed by Israeli forces. As a matter of fact, Israeli forces have attacked at least 200 Hamas positions in Gaza in the past 24 hours. Paratroopers have raided several apartments in the Shujaya section of Gaza City. They found firearms, explosives, and other military equipment in the homes. The soldiers also found a 49-foot-long tunnel in the area. The tunnel was later destroyed in an airstrike. The forces also found machinery used to build rockets, and they found that near a school run by the United Nations. Three tunnel shafts were also found near that school as well. Despite all these efforts, Hamas terrorists are still managing to fire rockets at civilians in Israel. Since the morning hours, four red alert incoming rocket alarm sirens were triggered in Gaza envelope communities. IDF soldiers are now based in those communities. Other residents were evacuated immediately following the October 7th invasion, and nearly everyone else who was living in the area was either slaughtered or kidnapped by Hamas. In the north, an auditorium in a kibbutz, Kibbutz Sasa, was hit this morning by an anti-tank missile fired by Iranian-backed Hezbollah terrorists in Lebanon. The auditorium was seriously damaged, but no one was physically injured. At least 150,000 Israelis have been evacuated from communities along the northern border due to the threat of war with Hezbollah, which would open up a two-front war. The Lebanese are now attacking Israel on a daily basis with rocket fire, anti-tank missiles, and combat drones. 53-year-old IDF warrant officer Yecheskel Azaria of Petach Tikva was killed yesterday in one such attack from Lebanon. He was a reservist. The kamikaze drone used in the attack landed and then exploded near the community of Margaliot in the north. Two other soldiers were wounded, and Hezbollah has claimed responsibility for that attack. IDF troops responded by shelling Hezbollah positions in southern Lebanon. Rocket fire that's aimed at populated areas in Israel is often intercepted by the Iron Dome aerial defense system, but that doesn't always happen. And even when it does, it doesn't always mean that Israelis are entirely safe. Homefront Command warns civilians not to leave the bomb shelter for at least 10 minutes after hearing the siren, and they're told not to touch any shrapnel or pieces of rockets that they see on the ground. There's a reason for that. A man was seriously injured yesterday in Ashkelon following a rocket attack, and it was not because he was hit by the missile. Police say the man touched part of an intercepted rocket, and the part that he touched was an explosive element, which blew up when it was touched. Needless to say, the man was seriously injured. 
Israel police are once again warning the public not to touch any part of a rocket they find on the ground after an attack because it could still contain an explosive that could detonate if touched or moved. On the good news front, Israel and the United States have reached an agreement on continued supplies of American munitions. That'll happen for the next several months. The IDF is also continuing to notify Gazans about where they can move safely to avoid combat zones. A quick look now at the weather. Partly cloudy skies in Jerusalem with the highs around 68 degrees. Lows tonight dipping into the 40s. We're looking at similar weather in the area for the next several days. Have a great week, everyone. Shavua Tov. I'm Hannah Julian for JM Sunday. Thank you, Hannah Julian. That's our news from Israel. We'll see you next week right here on JM Sunday, exclusively on the Nachum Siegel Network. It is 8.07 a.m. Eastern Time, where we are. Expecting rain to start around 11 o'clock this morning with a high of 48 degrees and flood conditions throughout the day, night, and into tomorrow morning. In Jerusalem, 66 degrees. We're going to go back to some music, and then coming up in a few minutes, we'll be, I'll be joined by the authors of Body and Soul, The Torah Path to Health, Witness, and a Holy Life. Here's Yisrael Amar on JM Sunday, exclusively on the Nachum Siegel Network. <laughs>
in jubilation As I sing to the rock of my salvation I'm only human flesh and bone My eyes to the mountain, I am never alone As the beautiful radiant shine on me Your majestic am I only Die as I sky when I hear your voice I will be ring now and I rejoice As the beautiful radiant shine on me It's your glory am I only Before that, Yisrael Amar, and that followed the news from Israel with Hannah Julian. 8.15 in the morning here on JM Sunday, Matas Weingast with you. And um, it is the 17th of December, fifth day in the month of Teves. And, of course, as we've been announcing a major Mazel Tov to uh, 
Leora and Shachar alone of Teaneck on the birth of a baby boy just a few hours ago. And Mazel Tov to grandparents Chani and Mayor Fertig and Sharon Drucker alone and Avi alone. And uh, of course, to new uncles and aunt David and Tehila Fertig and Naftali Fertig and uncles Amit alone and Nadav alone. Amazing news. We are so happy to be able to share the news with you and share in the Simcha. May we have continued Smachot in the future. I definitely know my first question to the guests that are uh, with us. Let me just make sure we're connected. Uh, Doctor, are you there? Yes, I am. Oh, good, good. Okay. All right. So that's working. We'll get to it now. The official introduction. (laughs) Oh, boy. It is uh, my pleasure to welcome to the air the authors of the book, Body and Soul, The Torah Path to Health, Fitness, and a Holy Life. The authors are Rabbi Alexander Seinfeld and Dr. Daniel Grove. Welcome to JM Sunday. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you. Who's who? Let's see. I think the second one was Dr. Grove, right? That's correct, yes. Okay. And, and the first one was Rabbi Seinfeld. So welcome, uh, to, the, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, for my first question, before we get to anything else, what does the Torah say about a, a horse throat? Who wants, to, who wants to tackle that one? <laughs> that would be Rabbi says, Seinfeld. He's more the soul and I'm more the body. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. A horse throat is though uh, the body being cured by the soul. I'm kidding. My, you know what my, my cure is? My cure is let the guests do most of the talking. So that's what's going to happen today. Okay, let let's get right into this. Uh, this this compendium, this this book, this um, research uh, book is um, is is tremendous. So I don't know who wants to take this first question, or both of you. Why did you produce this this compendium, this great work? On my end, we we both started from separate separate paths. Doctor Grove will speak for himself, but he started as a doctor trying to help his patients. I started trying to think think about this problem. I was, I was doing outreach, Kiruv, and people were asking me, what does the Torah say about health and fitness? And it started as just a, a, you know, a one page of Torah sources. And as I did more research, I realized the Torah says a lot more about it. And as I learned more about the mitzvah, I looked around myself in my, in my own Jewish community and realized we're not all doing what the Torah says we should be doing as, as well as we could be doing. How can I... Um, how can I, you know, create an educational tool for Jews to understand the depth and breadth of this mitzvah and uh, make it a program that can actually work? And that's when Rabbi Hauer, who's now uh, one of the heads of the OU, introduced me to Dr. Grove and said, you guys should get together because you both have the same basic idea and basic goal of coming from two, two different approaches. And he made, he made the shidduch between us. Very, very interesting. Doctor, I'll get to you in a second. Can you expand a little bit or just discuss a little bit, Rabbi Seinfeld, um, when when you're talking about the, the things that you've said you've seen in the Torah, 
that talk about health and fitness? Are you literally talking about the Torah, or are you also talking about uh, what what our rabbinic authorities over the years and uh, have have discussed over the millennia have discussed about health and fitness? Uh, because of course, there's a mitzvah in the Torah to you know take care of yourself. Is that where it all stems from? Right. So I I, I define I use the word Torah in the broad sense of Torah Shav and Torah combined. Okay. The full Torah. Right. Including what Chazal, Rishonim, Achronim all say, and in fact, what um, many Gedolim uh, do in their daily lives, uh, how, how they live, in their approach to their body, as uh, we call you, we say, we have the expression, Masi Rav. Masi Rav is, is also Torah. What a good Gadol acts in a certain way, uh, we can learn from his, his actions. And I put all that together in the book so that people can see that this, this is what the Torah wants us to do. Right, absolutely. Thank you for that, Doctor uh, Doctor Daniel Grove. What is what was your perspective going into this? So I specialize in pulmonary and critical care medicine, and one of the things I take care of is sleep apnea. And the number one risk factor for sleep apnea is, is obesity. So when I was in my training, I had some research time. I wanted to put together a pamphlet for my patients explaining them how explain to them how the body works and why excess weight and lack of exercise causes all the health problems it does, explaining all the details. And so I put that together and just like Rabbi Seinfeld, I found it was a lot more than I, a lot more information than I thought. And it ended up being a book I self-published about 10 years ago. So for me, uh, and then Rabbi Seinfeld came to me, you know, after being connected by Rabbi Hauer and we, and, and I was happy to help him provide the sort of medical aspects from the research I had done. Um, our goal was only to provide information which was backed by evidence, not um, fads, not just um, what people say on the internet, but actually stuff that was information that was backed and proven to be to be reliable. Yeah, that makes a, a lot of sense. And I do want to do a disclaimer a little bit that you have it in the book. But um, anything that uh, our listeners take from this uh, this conversation or even from the book, uh, please make sure that you check with your own medical uh, professional uh, and uh, you know follow that because that person hopefully knows your particular situation and who you are and, and, and what ailments you have uh, and you know it's impo- very important to do that and of course if there are any halakhic decisions uh, to be made ba- for your health uh, consult your your rabbi uh, so now that I now that I gave that <laughs> uh, we we've generally been taught over you know a long time that there are a lot of uh, suggestions, opinions, thoughts that have been given over by Chazal, as you mentioned before, our, our scholars over the millennia, uh, but that for the most part, we we don't follow specifically those recommendations because of the uh, maybe lack of, of knowledge of certain things in those days. So, you know, there, there may have been... Uh, practical observations that someone said, hey, this works for this, this works for that. Uh, in your book, you you bring in uh, the, the practical and the modern uh, science and study and investigation. Uh, how did you balance that in terms of what to keep in, you know, like a, like an old wives' tale, as they say, and and yet the uh, the more practical of what we know about today? I don't know, whoever wants to take that. 
I would just like to say that the, the remedies that Chazal give for ailments, those are what we, we avoided. You know, re a specific remedy for a specific ailment, that's where uh, Rishonim even, and certainly Achronim have said, we don't, necessarily, we don't necessarily rely on those anymore. But the proactive uh, lifestyle choices that Chazal said were very important, for example, exercise, for example, getting fresh air and sunshine, for example, um, avoiding achilagasa, overeating. There's nothing, um, you know, these are timeless values and timeless truths that are still medical science supports to this day. And so it was important to Chazal, not just for physical reasons. This is why the book, the book is called Body and Soul. All of these practices have a physical benefit, but they also have a spiritual benefit. I mean, Achilagas is an obvious one. We, we don't want to be gluttons. That's not the Jewish way to live. And it happens to be that being a glutton is also bad for your body. <laughs> so by learning how to eat in a, eat like a mensch, you know, learning how to eat like a bentora, you're also doing good for your body at the same time. You're yeah, you're you're limiting what you have, you're limiting your intake and you're trying to make whatever you do have to be as healthy as possible. Um uh, which, you know, makes perfect perfect sense. Uh doctor, over the millennia again, we've had many Jewish scholars who have also been doctors, most famous most famously probably uh, Rambam. Uh and there have been books written about uh what the different um I guess, uh, I don't know, suggestions or whatever, routines. And I know, as um, as the rabbi said, you avoided any of the actual uh, uh, you know, suggestions. But how, in your research and your studies over the years, how have you found how those um, people have, like the Rambam, have approached the idea of, of health? Has it always been, like uh, the rabbi said, body and soul? Uh, or was it more practical? Um, it's, it's interesting. <clears throat> I'm a Balshuva, and I became uh, from a medical school. Mm. And one of the things I remember very clearly is is I, I actually learned with a rabbi. I, I trained in, in Atlanta, Georgia. I, I learned with a rabbi uh, the when I, the health directives of the of the Rambam. And one one of the things that inspired me very much was how many of those things are actually practical today. I, I still you know have held up over the centuries. You know the things that he was recommending at a time when there would be no reason to recommend these things. I, I, I know that I guess there's the question for the rabbi is how much of these were from his Torah insights and how much of these were from empirical evaluation in his medical practice. I don't know, but I, I, I think it's important to, to see that there was a lot of prescience to these great, you know, these great sages in, in, in a lot of matters. But um, fortunately also we, we have learned a lot of things in the uh, millennium that, that, has, that has passed since, and so there's a lot that we can we can add to that knowledge. Right, that makes. Well, let's take for example. Let's take exercise for example. The Rambam says in Hilchos Deus, chapter four, Perak Dalit. This is he's saying this in Hilchos Deus as a matter of halacha. The person must exercise. Yeah, <laughs> the exercise is is, is is something he must do. Right. And there's no doctor alive today who doesn't tell his patients. You know, please get some exercise. Right. <laughs> and whatever it is. I mean, it could be 
a simple walk around the house if you have to, up and down the stairs, around the oh, block. Oh, yes. That, the, the, the actual form of exercise should be appropriate for that person, and they should get guidance on how to do it. But moving your body and not being sedentary is, uh, is straight from the Rambam, and it's completely 100% important, valid today. Right. In in the book, and, and I encourage everybody to to get it, it's uh, Body and Soul, the Torah Path to Health, Fitness, and a Holy Life. This is not a, um, <clears throat> excuse me, this is not a one sitting read. Uh, it is encyclopedic in its, uh, in its um, form. And uh, again, tremendous amount of research obviously went into this. And in the presentation, you not only have specific chapters on different things, and we'll get into some of those uh, in a few minutes, uh, you also have charts and guidance and uh, lists of uh, calories and food. So it's, it's, again, it's a very practical uh, work. Uh, and, you, and you have copious notes at the end. They could be a, a half a book in and of themselves. Uh, and I learned a lot from just looking at those notes and finding the, uh, the sources. So if somebody really wants to delve into it, uh, I, I'm not a rabbi, so I'll, I'll say it this way. This is a learning book also. I mean, a Torah learning book. It's not just, you know, a, a self-help guide. Uh, you learn a lot of Torah from here and many things that I did not know uh, at all. So, uh, Thank you for mentioning that because that's our intent. Our intent is this is a Torah book. Yeah. It's not a health manual. Yeah, exactly. It's a Torah book with 180, over 180 different Torah and they're for, in a format that you could read it or you could use it as a reference as a very ex expansive index. So you want to find out what the Lubavitcher Rebbe said about this topic or Rav Nachman Breslov said about it or about uh, what Pekiavos, the references, the many references to Pekiavos, or whatever you're looking for, or about diabetes, if they have a specific health, the index will help you use it. So if you're not a reader, but you want to have it as a reference, it can serve very well as that as well. As well, right, exactly. Going back to it's exercise. Also, oh, yes, doctor. I was just gonna, if I could add, it's, it's it's also just the beginning. Like it's the beginning of something. There's a Rabbi Seinfeld's an amazing website that, that we're going to add to called TorahHealth.org, where we will continue to add information and resources for people beyond just reading this book. So we hope that this book is just the beginning uh, of helping people sort of find a way to live healthier lives. Right, a absolutely. And I was going to say, going back to exercise, you actually have a, a section. Where you, where you where you list what different rabbis have said that they do on a, a daily or weekly or whatever basis in terms of exercise, which I found fascinating. I mean, these are things that most people wouldn't know about, wouldn't see, may not think that uh, a, a great rav would take the time away from Torah learning to do. But yet, as it's quite obvious from your writing— in order to be able to continue that Torah learning, you have to have a healthy body and a healthy mind and a healthy soul. It breaks my heart when I see an elderly person who is unable to walk to shul um, or worse because uh, for something that was preventable, avoidable, had they been more uh, mindful of taking care of their health at, young, at a younger age. And yes, we want our, all of our Jews, including our Tomei to live long and healthy and strong lives, and, and it's not a free ride. You have until about age 50, maybe, to, uh, to without, you get kind of a free pass, but after that, things start to break down, unless you maintain it, and, and you can. You can really, really slow down that decline 
dramatically. Right. Uh, let, let's. Talk- I would. I would go further. Not. I would say not just slow it down, but reverse it. Um, yeah. There's, there's evidence point. that even even with with good exercise, that people in their seventies can have a, a level of function and health similar to people much much younger. Right. Absolutely. Good point. Uh, you know, a lot of things in Judaism uh, revolve around food and eating. <laughs> you know, Yom Tov meals, Shabbos meals, daily meals. Uh, we make brachos on all foods. Uh, it's, it's just so much of it in our in our lives revolve around that. I, mean, I just opened now. I, I did. I just flipped open to a page to see what was on there that I could ask you, even though I have a ton of things marked. But I opened up to one one page here, 148, where in Pirkeiavos, it says that the Rabbi Shimon says, three who ate at one table without saying words of Torah are considered if they, as if they had eaten from idolatrous offering. But when three eat at the table, it's as if they're, they ate from God's table. Uh, in, uh, in the Mishnah, uh, based on the Mishnah, Chayadam says, be very careful to say words of Torah at the meal. For any meal without the words of Torah is like eating from a dollar offering. Uh, my point is that that in, in so many things, food and Torah are interrelated, whether it's direct at a meal or whether it's to sustain oneself. Um, that is from thousands of years ago, and um, it is... Like you just said, it's very practical now because so much of our ailments come from not eating properly. Uh, if you had to, uh, if you had to give a, a word of advice each of you to someone who has difficulty with the eating process—I don't mean physically, but doesn't know when to stop, doesn't know what to have, doesn't know how to do—what can they do to step back? And say, okay, let me evaluate what I'm doing, and then move forward. Rabbi, I'll start with you. I would, I would first of all follow encourage them to follow Chazal, and it, it, and Orcha Shulchan makes this point very strongly: slow down and chew your food. Mm. Really chew slowly, because not only will you eat less, you'll actually enjoy it more. And Shem wants you to enjoy your food. And when you're eating too fast, or when you're talking during a meal, which is actually halakhically forbidden, as a sakana brought down the shulchan. I hate to say this, it's gonna, it's a pretty hard to practice this in our society where we live. But that's actually the halacha. It, it one should just chew their food and taste it. That will be a, a holier way of eating and a healthier way of eating. That will be my number one eitzah. Doctor. Yeah, listen. I think that that the question about how to eat less is a is a question of of musr, really. I mean, I think the idea of of being in control of what you eat. I think that if you can slow again, slow down, and also listen. If you're at a, a meal, um, you know, put only put a certain plan in advance. Like plan in advance how much you're going to put on your plate, and then stick to it. Work on you know the type of food you bring into your house, the type of food you prepare for your meals. All these things can have a huge impact. Yeah, that's I would like to. Add, a add, there's a we, there's a there's this there's a there's a hormonal trigger of satiety. We become we become satisfied. Uh, we know that we've had enough to eat. It's a complex chemical process, but we know that there's a, actually a delay between the stomach getting the food and the brain realizing we have eaten enough food. It could be 15 to 20 minutes. And that's why people often will over feel like, oh, I eat too much. How come you eat too much? 
because of that delay. If, if you wait, if you eat slower, you actually are giving your, your, your brain and your, your hormonal system time to adjust to the fact you ate the food. And that second bowl of chola, you won't be, you won't be hungry for it. <laughs> and it's that second bowl of chola is just putting you over the top in terms of calories. You don't need it. You can be just fine with one bowl of chola. Right. But, but we end up eat, overeating because of that delay, and we're eating too fast. So we're not eating mindfully. Right. Yeah, so that's a, yeah, that is a great great advice. Like delay. Like say, okay, you know, the problem is, is that the Hara tries to get you to act fast, and so if you can, if you can just say, okay, fine, I'll I'll consider the second bowl of chalan in fifteen minutes, or twenty minutes, and you might find that in twenty minutes you don't want it anymore. Right, if you if you have the willpower to do that, which is my problem, I don't I don't get I don't saying, feel no, the, the, the delay. So some people, by the way, that time until from when you eat until you feel full is different for many people. And there's evidence that shows that people who have obesity, that delay is longer. Right. So I've recommended to people that you kind of figure it out. You can do a little homework and say, okay, when I eat, how long is it from when I start eating until I feel full? And look at your clock, and you find that. If you then the next time you eat, okay, say I'm, if before I eat more, I'm going to wait that same period of time. It might, it might help. Right, right, exactly. So what happens like me when I never feel full and I sometimes eat too much? But I don't know. That's that's something else. You mentioned, by the way, um, about eating slowly, and I'm sure you know that there have been studies. I think particularly in in Japan and other countries like that where. They take the time to eat the meals, and and the health benefits of that have been proven, you know, for centuries, um, and that's done. Uh, the other thing is, uh, so would you say that it's important not to eat when you're hungry? Like, don't wait until you're hungry to to start to eat because you won't fulfill that. Uh, you won't be satiated from eating for a long period of time that hunger pain won't go away so quickly is is what i i think i hear you saying well there's a lot actually it's, it's important to understand that the mechanisms of the sensation of hunger are very complicated mm -hmm. and that it's not it's not really just how much food is in your stomach right for example i think in fact, it's very little related to how much food is in your stomach. And it's an interesting, there's interesting research from a gentleman who had uh, strokes in a way that he lost all short-term memory. So he would eat a meal and not remember he ate oh, it. Wow. So they did experiments with him. They gave him a meal, he ate it, and then they took it away. And then 10 minutes later, they brought him another meal. Now, if he were to say that the fullness of his stomach would determine whether he was hungry or not, he shouldn't want to eat. But he said he felt just as hungry as he did before. Interesting. Meaning that the sensation of hunger is a sensation that is not really connected in a lot of ways to how much food you have in your stomach. It's connected to a lot of things. It's connected to your circadian rhythms. It's connected to your um, your habits. It's connected to hormonal changes. It's connected to how thirsty you are. There's a lot of things influencing that. So I think it's very important for people to recognize that just because you're hungry doesn't mean you need to eat. I tell my patients to think of hunger the way you think of being tired. Right. So like if in the middle of the day, right, you're tired, you don't just drop everything and take a nap. Right. You stop and you say, well, let, let's see. Did I get enough sleep last night? Is this a good time to sleep? Is this a good place to sleep? How much should I sleep? And then you decide based on that. You don't just like immediately drop everything and say, oh, I'm tired. Therefore, I take a nap. So the same thing with hunger. You say, I'm hungry. OK, did I eat enough? Right. Why am I hungry? Is it is it habit? Is it the environment? Is it the time of day? And then decide, then should I eat? Right. And re and remember that hunger is not necessarily and most of the time not a sign that I need to eat. 
Hunger is a sign of a lot of different things, and you don't necessarily have to just respond. Most people say, like, if you ask somebody, why are you eating? They'll say, because I was hungry. We need to separate that. Right. That's a, that's the a, question is, why am I eating? The answer is, is because I need energy right now. That's why I'm eating. Right. Very, and, if, very and then you can answer that question. It's different. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just add to that. We have an expression in English, I'm starving. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a lie. That's a lie. You're not starving. Right. You could live many days without eating. And if you check your muscles and your arms and your legs, you'll realize I have plenty of energy. I'm not lacking energy at all. What I'm really meaning is my stomach is crying out for, for to be filled. But that's just, as, as Dr. Grove just said, that's just information. It does not mean that I need to eat. It's just information. I can tell my stomach, you know, we're not going to eat right now because today's a fast day. And, you know, if people can go without eating for religious reasons and, and absolutely not eat uh, for that period of time, they certainly can do what Dr. Grove is saying and, and go without eating for health reasons because it's not meal time. I don't need to eat right now, and I'll wait till I have healthy food. I'm not going to snack on this unhealthy food right now just because my stomach wants me to. Right. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, funny for me. It's always been interesting for me when I, when I talk to my non-Jewish patients. Like, I really feel for them because it's like really hard for them because they don't have a concept of like withholding themselves from eating. Right. Like, there's nothing limiting their eating except for maybe how much money they have in their pocket. But when I talked to Jewish patients and I said, like, listen, if you were at that Viennese table at the wedding with this amazing spread and then someone came out and said, hold on a second, there's a problem with the kashras. <laughs> right. Right? You'd stop eating immediately like, right. and, and it would be not a problem for you. So, like, we know how to withhold ourselves from eating. We should be the ones leading this effort right exactly and uh, and it makes perfect sense that the hunger pangs the hunger feelings are you know the body's reminding you hey by the way don't forget to eat but you don't have to act on them right away uh, if it's not a fast day you know maybe you take a glass of water and it, it helps you of course if your body reacts differently if you've fasted too long or have gone without certain foods or water where you start to feel you know, headaches, dizziness, uh, other more serious medical conditions. You know, you got to check with your uh, your your physician and make sure that you're okay. Uh, you, one of you, I think, Rabbi, you mentioned before about Cholent, and it's a it's a tag I had in in your book that I put on the side here uh, on a Shabbos morning kiddish. You list the number of calories, and uh, you know it's great to have some uh, wine or grape juice. It's a hundred calories, but when you get to the Cholent with potatoes, it's five hundred calories for a bowl of Cholent. All right, if you don't have the potatoes, it's uh, four hundred. But you know, I don't think people realize this that much. And we talk about calories. Uh, I don't know. We're supposed to have two, three thousand calories a day, or whatever it is. You have you have two bowls of chillin'. You got a thousand calories right there, and 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 there's fat in it. It's not necessarily the the good calories. So, uh, again, I, I encourage people to look throughout this book because there's so many different things in here that that will help you. My uh, guests are Rabbi Alexander Seinfeld and Dr. Daniel Grove, authors of Body and Soul: The Torah Path to Health, Fitness, and Holy Life. Uh, it is uh, distributed by Feldheim. It's uh, available many different uh, places, the usual places. And I don't want to forget uh, to thank Stuart Schnee, who's a publicist extraordinaire, and his assistant, Naomi Lerman, who uh, brought this book to my attention. Uh, let, let's talk a moment, because it kind of ties into eating, or probably ties in a lot, to the concept of stress. 
we are very stressed nowadays in the Jewish community. Uh, and stress is something that people, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, may not realize that they are under stress. They're, they may not have a visceral reaction in their body. They may not have headaches uh, because of stress, but yet they are stressed and under stress, and that definitely can affect the whole body and the eating. What does the Torah say about stress and how to uh, recognize it, how to combat it, and what to do? Not only do they not recognize it, if, even if they do recognize it, sometimes they'll say, of course I'm stressed. Look at all my problems. Mm-hmm. You know, they take it as, <clears throat> excuse me, they take it as natural or it's just a, a, the way it is. Well, you know, is it's not that, something uh, that I can do anything about. Right. I'm sorry to interrupt that. Is that a good thing to a certain extent, though, that they recognize that stress at least? And maybe they can get rid of some of the stressors. So is that an important thing well, to recognize? Well, yes. Sure. Recognize is important, but not to say, well, this is normal and I, I just have to live with it. Okay. A little stress is good for anybody. You know, stress is what, you know, an athlete, I'm just using this as an analogy, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, when they, when you're a, 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 a runner, you want to have hurdles to jump. You, you, that's part of the, what makes you a greater, you know, athlete is, is that stress. Okay. That's just an analogy. No, but you're right. Because uh, you when know, you use the term stress, the word itself just means that you're, you're stressing something. You are uh, maybe making it more important uh, when you turn, you know, use the term, I'm stressing this topic or whatever, but it's, it's, it doesn't in and of itself mean that it's a, uh, you know, a, a terrible thing, but you have to recognize the level of stress that you're in. But, but what you're talking about and asking about is anxiety and worry. Mm, okay. That's what we – that stress itself is not a problem. It's how we react to it. And what we what – we, what the Torah says is we need to um, – we need to be wary of anxiety and worry and realize those are bad for us. Not just bad for us mentally. The Rambam mentions in modern in, in medicine firms that – the mental stress, mental anxiety, and worry can actually harm us physically. So we have a just like we have an imperative to seek help or get help or help our, you know, help ourselves when we have a physical ailment, such as you know a, a cut or a wound or anything else. So too, someone has anxiety or worry that won't go away. That they have a a, a a medical imperative to seek help. And to, and to try to fix that. Doctor. Uh, I think there's also for, for the thing for, for people who like, just to bring us back to what we were talking about in the beginning, there is a lot of evidence that exercise is great for relieving stress. Exercise is, is great for moods. It doesn't like it's exercise is not a cure for anxiety or depression, but for everyday life stress, it's an amazing, and even people with anxiety and depression, it helps. It, it's amazing for helping alleviate stress. Right. Um, you, your chapter in the book that deals with it is actually called Serenity. So now I understand from your descriptions and your perspective why it's not called stress as such. Uh, and that makes a lot of sense. And uh, you quote the Rambam here where it's, he says rejoicing and happiness alone will make people's illnesses milder. You know, I, I know people and I do it myself. One of the first things if I'm, you know, get up in the morning, get ready and everything, I'll look in the mirror. I, I Maybe it sounds silly, but I I'll look at myself and I'll smile. I, I purposely will smile just at myself. It's just a different facial expression. And, you know, it's something like, oh, hey, <laughs> you know. So I guess there are different things that people can do to start their day and continue the day in a less anxious manner. 
Well, you're fulfilling you're fulfilling one side, you know, on, on to turn two pages later in the book on page two forty three, and there's a wonderful passage from the Talmud, Sota, where Rav Amin Rav Rabbi Rabbi Amin Rabbi Asi have a, a disagreement about how to deal with stress. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. So one of them says, "Do what you ju- you just said. Mm-hmm. Find a way to get you know, look in the mirror and smile." <laughs> this is essentially what he's saying. Look in the mirror and smile. That's how you get rid of it. Yeah. And the other says, "No, you need to go get some therapy." <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, they're both they're so, both important in in the uh, in, in the same. Uh, it's two sides of a coin, but sometimes they can and should go hand in hand. Not everybody can look in the mirror and just do that. Right. So for those people, go so go find a friend to talk to. If you need a professional therapist, sometimes that helps to talk it out. But but definitely don't just ignore it and live with it. That's the the Torah path is to deal with it and and to recognize that this is something that God does not want you to 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 hold in you and live with. God wants you to deal with it in some way. And of course, uh, an, another approach to dealing with anxiety and worry that we we all should be practicing every day, especially in these trying times. We're hearing such difficult news come from Eretz Israel and, and other places is, and we are doing this, but I don't know if we're doing it, it, it uh, as well as we can, which is prayer. Right. Prayer, saying Tehillim and, 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 and using Tehillim for, uh, as a pathway to prayer is also in this chapter because that is also one of the tools we have been given to deal with anxiety and worry. That is exactly, that's not the only purpose of Tehillim and prayer, but that is certainly a great benefit of using prayer in the right way. Right, exactly. And it takes your mind off of the specific topic, although that's why you're praying, perhaps, but, you know, like if a loved one is sick and you're saying, uh, you know, davening or saying to heal him, uh, but yet it still puts you in a different mindset when you can read the words. It just, you're, you're reading the words, you're assimilating the words, and maybe it pushes out of the front of the mind some of that Anxiety, some of what's actually happening. Um, you know, the, the source yeah. of the source of all anxiety and worry is forgetting that Hashem is running the world. Yeah, true. When a person fully knows one hundred percent that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is is running the world, knows what he's doing, there can be no room for anxiety or worry. Yeah, cannot that's, be. That's true. Uh, but so, yes, that's I'm what sorry. prayer should do for us. Right. So, like, um, I wish we had. You know, a lot more time because I would love to go through some of the many topics, but I'll, I'll let our readers, you know, get the book and, and uh, go through them. But for instance, and, and I bring this up because it's in the book and, uh, you know, you have a section on, on bodily functions and, and things like that. And it's and Chazal talked about it and wrote about it and had discussions about it. If they, you know, whether whether I mean, the one that deals with you, know, you have some stories about. Um, urination and 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 what uh, you know again some of the stories from from Chazal which is you know it's it, it's like it's important to have them you wouldn't think that it would be a topic of discussion but yet it's extremely important and I think for instance regarding that people don't understand most people certainly don't understand the real. Uh, miracle of our bodies, uh, you know, we we just we just see the outside basically. But what goes on? Most people don't understand. The vast majority don't understand the intricacies. And and when we say Asher Yatsar, you know, the understanding of what that actually means—that one 
little uh, thing, you know, is is just a miracle. And I guess you only have to speak to people who've had, let's say, gallstones or kidney stones to have them really appreciate what goes on. But and I, I say this because it's important to learn about that, not only what our practical you know, medical society says today, but to understand that this was you know, discussed and, and understood and appreciated for, for ever since the Torah was given to us. You know, you know I'm not the doctor in the house right now. <laughs> I had this course of teaching in a high school for several years, a, Jewish, a, Jewish, a boys' school, yeshiva. I had this exclusive teaching anatomy and physiology class to the to the to the ninth grade, and to do so I had to learn it. Right. And when I the first year I taught it, I realized this must be required limud for every Torah Jew. Mm -hmm. This is so important to appreciate. You don't know what's going on in your body until you learn about it. Your your liver and your digestive system, your immune system, it goes on and on. It's like, wow! If you don't if you don't haven't learned a little bit about that. You you're really not appreciating your body and saying Ashayatsa properly, in my opinion. Right, right. What what about there's one topic I want to ask you about, uh, because it's important to me. <laughs> so I'll be selfish about it, but I know it applies to a lot of people. So I'm a I'm a typical ADD person. Uh what used to be called ADD. I'm not the ADHD. Uh and that's a you know, more of a it's people call it mental a mental situation or you know, mental condition, but in reality, everything is biological. Uh, but it's a big thing nowadays for somebody who has ADD, for somebody who has other issues, OCDs and things like that. And there, there was a book, I think, that was written not too long ago. It was called, uh, it, it was, was Yaakov on the Spectrum, I think it was called. Uh, what do you say for, for those, quote, mental conditions and how somebody should look at those? And, and I, I know it's a very broad question, but, you know, in a minute, each of you can comment on that. Yeah, we, I, mean, I don't think we really, we didn't really address those kinds of things right. in the book. I think, I think what we can say is, is that, is that all of the, whatever the mental health condition is, there is ample evidence that, that, like I said before, exercise, regular daily or regular or frequent exercise helps all of them. And a lot of these conditions, like ADHD is an example, can be contributed to by poor diet. Like it's, it's um, alarming to me, you know, my, my sons go, and go to a cheder type school and, and the number one reward we give these children is a can of soda, which is just uh, <laughs> pure sugar and caffeine. And then we tell the kid, and these poor English teachers in the afternoon, we tell the kid, okay, now sit down and pay attention. Right. Right. And so it, it's clear that if you take a kid who's ADHD or not, and you give them that level of sugar and that level of caffeine, it's going to affect their ability to concentrate. And it's known that high intensity carbs, like low, um, like low glycemic, in, I mean, low glycemic index carbs are, are, are going to contribute to these conditions and what you eat and how you eat it. And, and so like that can impact a lot of these things. So changing your diet and increasing and exercise is the opposite, right? If you have, if you have somebody who's prone to all this nervous or anxious or, you know, ADD kind of energy and you let them exercise, it gets a lot of that energy out and helps them concentrate. Right. And helps and them deal with things a lot better. You yeah. Know? And without going into the, if, if your spouse is, if your spouse is making you angry, don't yell at your spouse, go, go to the gym, lift right. some weights, right? Take it out on the weights, take it out on the treadmill, take it on the bike, 
right? And then really get it all out and then talk to your wife. I think, you know, it's shalom bias. You know, exercise helps shalom bias also. By the way, it could be the wife that's going to the gym because she's angry at her husband, you know. <laughs> Either way. One second. I'm sorry to interrupt. I just want to touch on that point. And, and obviously, a lot of these things, such as the right balance in food and the exercise, produces different hormonal responses in the body and the brain. And, uh, and those are the, some of the things that can exacerbate some of these conditions. So it, it makes a lot of sense. I'm sorry, Rabbi. Please uh, go on. I just want to stress there is evidence of a bleed or a put it on the website torahealth.org <laughs> I, I want to put, i want to just say there's strong evidence that children who get about an hour of physical activity a day it helps all these things we're talking about adhd symptoms concentration symptoms etc and our schools are are often failing at this we need parents need to insist that their ch child gets an Real exercise, vigorous exercise outside. They're not getting it proper at all ages. Right, at, right. At adolescence. A absolutely. And, and I know from my own personal experience, it's not a question that doing some of these things will take away these things as it is a biological condition. But we can, you know, try to help uh, in, in in focusing and dealing with with that, um, we have about a minute left. I mean, we've gone long, and I, but thank you for for joining us in a, a minute. Um, each of you, uh, final words. Doctor, you want to go first? Yeah, I would just feel like this. I, I work in an intensive care unit. I work in the hospital, and I don't see people in the hospital who exercise regularly. Mm -hmm. so I almost never do. Right. Is if you want to live long, and I don't care about your lifespan, I care about your health span. If you want to be functional and active and contributing, being playing with your grandchildren, all these things, make a change now. If it's possible, don't fall for the fads. Just daily regular slow change and over over several months and then years you'll notice that your life is dramatically better you'll live longer you'll live healthier you'll have more time with your children more time with your grandchildren you'll learn better you'll daven better and you'll do more mitzvahs everything will be greater beautiful. in your life if you can make this commitment beautiful rabbi when final I, word you have like 30 when seconds I, when i started <laughs> when i started this project when i contemplated turning it into a book and, and a whole program. I spoke to Rav Yisach Berkowitz Shlita in Yerushalayim and Rav Yaakov Hopper Shlita in Baltimore and asked them, should I do this? And they both gave me the same etzah. Do it, but make sure you don't make it too hard. Make it, Show people how they can just take very small steps and make meaningful change, and that way you'll really help them. And that's what we tried to achieve in Bez Hashem. We did. So people shouldn't be afraid of this. They should realize if they get into this, it's not as hard as you think it is, and you can make real meaningful changes in small baby steps that will be hopefully give you a long, healthy life. Excellent. The name and of TorahHealth.org. I was about to say, <laughs> TorahHealth.org is the website. Uh, body and Soul, the Torah Path to Health and Fitness, Health fitness and a holy life. Uh, gentlemen, I, I thank you so much for joining me this morning and, and uh, conveying all these important pieces of information to everyone. I, I suggest everyone go out and get the book and learn from it. Thank you again, gentlemen. Thanks for having us. All right. Have a, have a good rest of the day, a stress-free and healthy day. It is... Get uh, some exercise today. Yeah. <laughs> it is... Uh, it is uh, just about ready to close up the show. We're just about ready to close up the show. I want to thank, again, uh, Rabbi Seinfeld and, uh, and Dr. Grove for joining us. Uh, excellent book, Body and Soul, Torah Path to Health, Fitness, and Holy Life. Great programming continues all day long. 
right here on the network. Nachum will be back tomorrow morning. Mazel tov once again to the Fertig and Alone family on the birth of a baby boy early this morning to Leora and Shachar. Amazing, amazing news. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next week right here on JM Sunday on the Nachum Siegel Network. You've been listening to Matis Weingast and JM Sunday on NachumSiegel.com right here at the Nachum Siegel Network.